Hello and welcome to another edition of Cheers PA Beer Talk, where we discuss beer in many different avenues and issues throughout the industry. We tend to talk a little bit about lagers and pilsners and sometimes a hazy will sneak in there. But today we are doing some important conversating with none other than Melissa Walter from Love City Brewing in Philadelphia. Melissa, thank you for joining us today here on the show. Now, I first met Love City in beer terms when I was at Local 44 in West Philly, and I noticed a new can that I'd never seen. It was clean. It had a nice aesthetic to it, and it was a stout, and I love a good stout, especially when you put it in a can. Uh, It happened to be named after uh, my neighbor at the time's daughter, so that was the final piece (laughs) that really made me want to try it and, you know, explore a new brewery, and I just, I fell in love. It was velvety. It was smooth. It was everything you wanted in a stout without it beating you over the head with bourbon and barrels. It was just approachable, what a stout should be. And I fell in love. I went down a rabbit hole with the lager, which is just a great year-round beer that they offer. And I have to say, Melissa, Love City is doing some excellent style-driven beer. And not only that, but quite an advocate for the workers within this industry. So before we get into all of that, the first question we like to ask everyone is, What was the first beer that made you want to know more about craft beer or get more involved with brewing? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the compliments. I will definitely be passing them along to the brewers because they are super proud of all of those beers. And uh, yes, as they should be for having me. (laughs) And I have to say that I don't have a specific beer that got me into craft beer, but I do have a specific place. So right after college, I actually moved to Media PA for, for a job. And the Iron Hill Brewery is obviously in media. And it was uh, actually my first job out of college was at a rape crisis center. And obviously that's stressful work. So often, you know, my coworkers and I would want to go out afterwards to happy hour. And we always ended up at Iron Hill. And now that I own a brewery, I'm embarrassed to say this because it's the thing that bartenders hate most. But I would always order the flight. The flight (laughs) was like a good deal and you got to try like a bunch of beers for a pretty yeah. low price so. i think hold on I, I don't mean to stop you but i think no, no. that the flights in they can go both ways and i understand from the bartender bar beer server perspective it is a pain but in terms of bringing people into beer and letting them explore it's such a great avenue and i think that if people could be a little more patient with it on both sides Maybe it could have a little bit better connotation, but yeah, it can be a challenge I, I sometimes. <laughs> Especially during COVID times, it was just like a mess and we we're like, we're not doing this right now. But yeah, I agree. It's a great way to get people in to try things. You know, you want to try something before you commit to a whole pint. And I get that. You know, that was definitely me back in, in 2006 and seven, just starting to, to drink craft for the first time. So yeah, so I guess I tried a, a wide variety of styles as my first introduction to craft beer because I was always getting flights at Iron Hill. That's really cool. Media is a great place for beer also. Philly's got so many great little beer pockets around there. Your neighborhood is turning into quite the beer venture destination. So you have the outdoor beer garden. Now, is that something that's going to be staying year round or did you learn some things last year that maybe the winter is not (laughs) suited? And if we're not in a pandemic, maybe we don't have to have outdoor uh, yeah, I mean, we learned many things about outdoor seating in the wintertime. It was definitely a challenge. But I mean, honestly, we're going to keep it for as long as we possibly can. 
you know, when it, it drops into, you know, the 30s in January, we might not have it open, but I think we're going to try to push it through as much of the fall as possible because it's a, you know, a lot of people just prefer to sit outside. They feel safer that way. So we want to keep that option available to people as much as we can. And safety is something that Love City really values. You're very cognizant about not only the safety of your guests through the pandemic, but also just the safety of workers in general. You have been at the forefront of pushing for just transparency within the industry and allowing conversations to be had and not just a let's write a think piece about it and then go on our separate ways, but like actually doing the hard work of bringing people together and having those difficult conversations. Where does that interest come from and what drives you for those purposes? Yeah. So going back to, you know, what I mentioned earlier about my first job out of out of college being at the Rape Crisis Center. So I worked in the mental health field for almost eight years. Um, I was a licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania. So I had that sort of direct on the ground experience with people who, for various reasons, were unsafe, you know, whether it was housing or hunger or just PTSD or other forms of trauma, you know, I just interacted with these people on a daily basis. So having seen that, and then knowing the little bit that I knew about the service industry and the beer industry, I knew to be very conscious of of that kind of stuff going Mm -hmm. into this business. And that, I mean, look, I would be doing this type of work no matter what industry I'd end up in. You know, we opened this brewery. I love it. It is absolutely part of my life's work. But the other half of my life's work is making sure that people feel safe and supported wherever they are. Absolutely. It's very important. And you were saying that you actually took a time away from working as a therapist. And that's when you started Love City. Have you found now that you've been established as a brewery that that interest is really pulling at you more? Because not only do you see the need for that type of work and that type of professionalism, but also you're a little more established and you've started to figure some things out that you can branch out more or is it just now it's now is the time because it's now is the time the last year has shown that these conversations need to be had yeah i mean for sure this is definitely a a moment you know that we want to do as much as we can to sort of capitalize on and and keep the awareness going and keep the action going but love city i mean we've been doing this since day one you know this has been part of our dna as a company so yes you know i'm definitely going to lean into it as much as we can now but i'm also going to keep doing it forever. (laughs) Absolutely. I remember seeing something about, you know, Love City from the beginning was providing sexual harassment training for everyone. It wasn't something that became in vogue and you started that this was something that you believed in from the beginning that you were going to create a safe and welcoming environment uh, and hold people accountable. Uh, What uh, do you see as necessary steps right now to start to create those ladders of accountability within the industry and providing safe places for these conversations to be had without fear of retribution uh, from you know the workers who essentially, if you're in this industry, you are pretty much living a way of you know nearly check to check, or it's not you're not here because you are you know, financially solvent. It's a uh, it's a an industry that tends to attract people that are working more closer to their budget than you know what you would expect from uh, being well off. So there's not really that safety net to fall back on. If hey, if I blow a whistle here, what am I going to do about rent? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's absolutely a concern. And knowing that we're in a 
that I'm in a more privileged position relative to a lot of the people that I interact with on a daily basis is something that I'm just always super conscious of and knowing that, yeah, I have the room to do this and I have the room to push these conversations forward. If somebody else doesn't, like I am, I get it. You know, I, I really do. It's, it's tough and you don't want to put your livelihood at risk. And I absolutely understand that. So that's part of the reason why I feel the responsibility to, to do this, you know, because I, I can, you know, I, I have that, that power in that position. Um, and as far as creating creating accountability, I mean, I think it it does have to start at the top. Um, you know, you're you create your company culture, and we've worked really hard to create a positive one. Um, so I think if you're an owner, if you're a manager, you gotta look in, you gotta get your head in that in that place. You know, you gotta understand that like your your people keep this place running, and you need to keep them happy and healthy and safe in order to keep your place running. Unless you want to be working every waking hour of your entire life. So, that's so the great resources. Yeah, I was going to say that's the part that I never understood uh, in these um, issues is you hire people, you invest the time and the resources in to bring them in, and they're the ones that make the thing go. And if you wanted to do that job from the beginning, you probably wouldn't have hired someone. You would have done it yourself. So you can't just look at because you pay someone a wage, whether you consider it to be fair or the market does not consider it fair. That's regardless of what the people deserve to be treated with a certain modicum of dignity, both from the customers, but also from the people that they work with. You know, the whole the customer is always right is such BS because it gives carte blanche to borderline terrible behavior and sometimes way (laughs) over the line and they expect that no matter what they say or do that they're going to be considered right and i'm so grateful that from this last year and the pandemic that the service industry is getting the attention to just the issues that have always been at the core that no one really cared about they would just you know write it off like they didn't care who made their food they just wanted their food and they wanted a certain way And there was no respect given to the individuals. And if we saw anything in this past year, besides just the rioting in the streets for calling for justice and equality, it's the people that didn't get that safety net and had to keep working through all this were the most endangered of all of us. And there was no concern given about what they were risking because, again, they were in that position of, I have to meet these financial obligations. No one's coming to my rescue. There's no bailout here. And no, it's so true. It's just, it's, I hope that through these conversations, we can continue to push forward and eliminate some of those issues of looking at those that wait tables as being less than, because in other parts of the world, it's considered phenomenal work and you make, it's a noble pursuit to give service to others is the most selfless of pursuits. And we here in America treat it like it's, you know, like it's nothing. You're, you must have dropped out. Yeah. yeah, I could it, not be a bartender. I'm not good at it. Like, oh I, I'm just not. It's not one of my skills. Like, no. I, I hire people that are amazing at it. And it's just like, I want you to be happy so you can keep doing this job so we can both, you know, keep benefiting from this relationship. So what do we need to do to make that happen? Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, your commitment to a safe working environment isn't just about Love City. Uh, But you're actually hosting meetups for industry workers uh, to facilitate these important conversations. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your partnership with the Coalition for Restaurant Safety and Health and why it's important to you and for the industry to just really get its act together in this moment, as you put it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, the CRSH actually came to one of our meetups that we had right after the, um, you know, the whole rat magnet Instagram went viral and, you know, blew open the craft beer world. So we had a, a meetup for people to just come and hang out and talk about things. Um, and CRSH was there and they, uh, you know, informed me about some of their trainings that they offer. And I was like, oh, this is great. There's somebody already here doing this work. Like I will happily, you know, take all the help I can get in this area. So we, we talked about it and uh, we just hosted the worker training last week. And July 20th, over at Triple Bottom Brewing, actually, a block and a half away from us, we're hosting uh, the training for owners and managers. And we felt that that was really important to kind of split it up because the concerns from both sides are different. I mean, they just are. So hopefully the owners and managers can get the resources that they need to then take back to their places of business and, you know, make it uh, as safe and healthy as possible. Absolutely. And honestly, that's what these times and having these conversations is about you obviously were very interested in having someone that was already doing this work that you didn't have to figure all of that out but how would you have ever met them if it wasn't for those posts that went viral you know so it's it's Mm -hmm. when we have an opportunity with a conversation we have to keep it going because too often as soon as the interest turns somewhere else and there's a lot of distractions out there today these important issues just get swept back under the rug until we have another bubble up. But right. it's why I see that, you know, anytime you can use your platform for good, you got to yeah. do it. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, we're going to keep doing this work, like no matter what, this is just a part of who we are. But as many people as want help and want to get started in this work, we are absolutely like, please come and ask me questions. You know, please come to this training. Please, you know, let's talk about resources. I'm sure other people know plenty of things that I don't know that they could share about, you know, resources for this industry. So I think that's, yeah, let's just keep the conversation going. (laughs) So if someone who's listening to this is interested, uh, should they just reach out to Love City directly? You have a great website. I love that you have chat function, which is phenomenal. I feel like my communication needs are met more expeditiously (laughs) just by someone asking, hey, do you want to chat? You know what? No, but I like that I could. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, our website is a great way to reach us. Our social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are all at Love City Brewing. Um, we're pretty responsive across social media. So if you do want to reach out and have questions, that's the, the best way to do it for sure. That's awesome. Now, we talk a lot about community on this show. And to me, community is always about the people that come to the brewery, whereas culture is about how you internally take care of your people. But it seems like Love City sees community and culture as the same thing. And there's a high standard held to both of those. Um, was it always supposed to be that way? Or have you just been that committed to the ethos from the beginning? Like, this is who we are. And it's going to be both sides. For everyone, this is what Love City's about. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that when you when you sent me that question. and wondering, like, do I see community and culture as two different things? And I guess, in a way... In a way, they are because I feel like culture is something that we have some amount of control over. Um, you know, we we create the culture of Love City. You know, I think it does come top down a bit, but it's also if the workers aren't buying in, you know, like your culture isn't going to sustain itself. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's you know from the top down, letting people know who we are and what we're about, and then encouraging and through repetition and daily check in and constant you know reminders, just making sure that everyone else is on the same page with that culture. So, so I do think that they're, they are very similar uh, because then I look, you know, outside to the community as a whole and I think, you know, community is 
our staff, of course, but it's also our guests and it's also our vendors and it's also anybody who, you know, interacts with us in any way, really, online community, et cetera. So I think it's, they definitely are, are overlapping. You know, there's a, there's a giant Venn diagram middle to, to those two things. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was a, a really good question. Well, thank you. I just, I, the more I got into uh, the research for this piece, it just, I, the thing that stood out to me was just the commitment to inclusivity and craft for all. And hearing that story about when you built the brewery, there was only going to be one entrance and it was going to be a ramp. And I'd never thought about that as, you know, a barrier because, you know, privilege is the lack of impediments. And so a lot of times people don't see their privilege or even acknowledge a privilege because, they don't understand that it is a privilege. So by creating just one avenue of entrance and exit, it just, it, it's, it reverses that where you're not even thinking about while I'm walking up a ramp because it has to be here for some reason, I'm just walking up a ramp because it's here and it's the doors there. And I would like a beer. And I just think that it's such a smart way to really start the guests on the approach of what love city is about and what craft for all is about. Um, so could you talk a little bit about the importance of just maybe that story and other avenues of how you showcase allyship as a brewery? Yeah, I mean, the the design of the building was definitely very intentional, um, you know, going into this. It's, it's like, okay, yes, every building is required to have an accessible entrance. Like, that's a requirement, sure. Mm-hmm. But where is it? You know, is it all the way around the block? Do you have to, like, roll past some trash cans to get there? Like, is it pleasant? You know, and if if we could just eliminate that one small thing, you know, and say, okay, you know, it's one entrance, here you go, done, like easy. If you, if you use a wheelchair, like you're going to remember that, like I could go into the same entrance as the rest of my friends with no issue, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, it's just one of those small details that I do think details matter in kind of rolling out a welcome mat for people. Like you can open the door and say, you know, we're inclusive and we welcome everyone and we accept everyone. But I think it's the little details like that that really tell people that show people you know it's like actions speak louder than words and you're actually showing people with those details that that it's you say what you mean um similarly like the thing with our, our restrooms so our restrooms are all all gender full privacy stall you walk in everybody chooses a stall and then the sink is communal and there you go you know and for me that was really about thinking about my friends who are transgender or non-binary and wanting them to feel safe and welcome in my space. You know, I really thought about it. I was like, how would they feel if they walked in and had to choose, you know, male or female restroom? Like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I want to make sure these people feel as welcome as humanly possible. Well, so humanly, the- it's human, you know, and like, yeah. that's the part about it is you may never yeah. even hear about it, but it's, it's one thing to say things. And then when you, you are opening a brewery and you start, well, what are people going to think about this? It doesn't matter what they're going to think because you already know what you think about something. So if you're opening a place and it truly reflects who you are, which is what, in my opinion, Love City has done. The love in Love City is strong. And to see that come through in the tiniest of details all the way up to what you're doing industry-wide and being this voice, it's just, it's commitment throughout, you know, it's authentic. And that's the thing that I think that really drew me in as I got to know more about Love City and just kind of your story was just the authenticity of this is who we are. This is who we've been from the beginning. We've done this on our own. We acknowledge some of the privileges that allowed us to get to this point, but we're not going to back away from that. We're going to continue to be who we are and not compromise any of those things. 
And I just, it's tremendous. Um, you mentioned the details and just the fine, your, your tasting room is beautiful. I have to say like just the balance of, sometimes it can be too much, uh, oh, we're in an old warehouse and then you just feel like you're in an old warehouse. Like the, you balance with bright new light and with some of those elements, it's just, it's gorgeous. Like, how, did you get lucky or did, like? <laughs> a little like, bit of both. I it's mean, amazing. Both. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for the for the compliments about authenticity. That is one thing that I really, really value, you know, just as a person. And I'm glad that that's coming through and other people are noticing that too. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, but in terms of the building, we did get really lucky because uh, we had looked for a long time. We had a couple of places fall through on us and it's just, you know, we were getting discouraged and not being able to find the right place. And then finally we stumbled across this place and it was just those giant ceilings and the old crumbling brick and the columns. And we're like, okay, this, this makes sense. And that character just stood out to us so much when we toured it. And I was like, you know what, if we do this, like, I don't want to make this overly designed. Like, I just want to lean into like, this is this old warehouse. It's manufacturing. I mean, beer is a manufacturing process in the mm -hmm. end. We're really just, you know, taking ingredients and mixing them together and putting them in aluminum <laughs> vessels. <laughs> so I was like, why not lean into it? So really, thankfully, we had a great team during construction who kind of took the that and created the actual vibe that, that currently exists there. And we're really happy with it. That's super cool. And it's definitely a vibe. I Like your events, uh, I was super bummed when I saw Glow Up because I love a good dance party. Um, for those of you that listen to Funky Fridays on WXPN on Friday, it's like the best three hours of music every week for me. It's really the only thing I, I tune into uh, for anything uh, TV, radio, otherwise. Just, you know, I'm listening to an FM NPR like radio okay. program, but it's the funk. And it just seems like Love City is about the funk and the love and where do you guys come up with these great ideas and what is just the thing that drives you when you're considering building out an event? Oh man. I mean, it's a team effort for sure. So myself, our general manager, Mike, our uh, Kevin, obviously head brewer, um, and then Mo, our sales director, we regularly meet as a team and <laughs> just spitball ideas and <laughs> see what we come up with. No bad ideas and brainstorming. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> no. all right time what do people want to do they want to get out they want to have fun all right we're doing a dance party let's go so it's really it's definitely is a team effort i mean we we lean very heavy into halloween fii so if you have not experienced the love city halloween party get ready because we're doing one this year you know knock on wood that, that it remains safe to do so but uh but we are planning a big halloween party which have always been a historically good time that's awesome and you know it, you know, masks are appropriate for Halloween. So like, I think that, you know, just work that into your level. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, uh, I, I was a big fan of Halloween uh, until I met my wife and she saw my Halloween, like I had a trunk of things that I just collected over the years because once you start getting random things, you never know. You could just like piece together a few. Yeah. I was the hamburglar one year without buying anything. Let's just put it that way. But I know that's not true. I bought a red tie because I didn't have a red satin tie. But other than that, I was able to be the hamburglar without buying anything else. I was pretty proud of that. That's amazing. Didn't have space for it. We moved to Chicago. There's no room for Halloween trunks in Chicago. Mm, so now yeah. we live in Pennsylvania where plenty of room for Halloween trunks or excellent that's Halloween fun. parties. So check out the Love City Halloween party. I'm sure you have other events coming up. Uh, where should people check out to, you know, stay up to date with your events and what's coming down the pipe? 
Yeah, I mean, the website and social media, again, so lovecitybrewing.com and at lovecitybrewing on all social media. We post everything there that we've got going on. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for some fun stuff coming up. Very cool. One more question before we get you out of here. Are there any band artists in your play in their tap room? Because I really enjoy talking to some of the different breweries and like, oh, we don't allow this or like, or some places are just like, we'll take anything. Musically, what's Love City about? We really let the bartenders pick it because like they need to be happy working the shift so that they can keep other people happy. And if they're listening to stuff that makes them miserable, (laughs) then nobody's going to be happy. Um, so, and really it's just, you know, I remind them like, Hey, read the crowd, you know, if there's a bunch of kids here, maybe don't put on like the hardcore stuff, but in general, they're very, very good at that. And they totally manage it well. And Can I, you tell when a shift is going sideways, when like the playlist starts to get a little too aggressive, a little dark, you're like, Oh, I got, I, I think someone needs a break. Them. I don't even like, I don't even have to step in and somebody will do it for me and be like, we're going to skip this song. <laughs> I'm like, good idea. That is awesome. Yeah, there's nothing that's banned though. I can't think of anything that, that's come up that everybody like hates as a group (laughs) we're all pretty open thankfully that's wonderful well that's because it's about inclusivity and being welcoming and it's such a safe space i uh i can't advocate enough for the work that you're doing but also just what a tremendous vibe and visit your brewery is so thank you so much melissa walter i really do appreciate all of your time today i know you're very busy so we won't take up any more of your time but uh you should check out the brewery Oh, you got it. And make sure you get there before the outdoor beer garden is gone because there's nothing better than drinking under a tent in the summertime. Come on. It's great. Thank you, Melissa. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. You too. And now we're going to finish up here with our beer of the month review. And this month we are highlighting Victory Prima Pills. Uh, If you are uh, anyone that watches the show, you know I love a crispy lager and We featured Sunshine a few months ago, and that's more of an American Pilsner. This is your classic German-style Pilsner. It's all German hops. It's crisp Pilsner malt and nothing else hiding in there. And, man, I got to tell you, I learned something in the research for this one that there's actually spalt hops in there. And spalt hops are one of the oldest hops dating back to the 8th century. So when I'm talking about a classic style, this beer is as classic as it gets. Now, you can check out... Wise or any other place where you find your beer, Prima Pills, highly recommend it for the summertime. We want to thank our guests again, Melissa Walter, as well as our friends at Wise Markets for today's program and making all this possible. We will see you back here next time.